The Jackets have returned to the ice after their long break and have a struggle against the Buffalo Sabres. As they then march their way now to the end of the season and hopefully the taste of Lord Stanley's Cup. But could it be without the bread and bob? We'll discuss it tonight. The Walleye take two of three from this past weekend. And we'll talk a little bit more about the ECHL tonight. BG and the basketball team continues to soar. But was struck down by the Red Hawks. But a huge game this weekend is a huge opportunity for this team. And it's finally here, folks. It is Super Bowl week. The finale of the NFL season. You'll hear my prediction for the big game this upcoming Sunday. But boy, it's cold here in the Midwest. High temperature today was a negative 4 degrees. Negative 4 with a wind chill feeling of 35 to 40 below. Grab your cup of hot soup and turn up the podcast because this is all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. 24 runs in the span. We're going to get shut out. Gambino! Hit to a home run. Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with a warm cup of soup in one hand and the notebook in the other, it's great to say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome in to this edition of All Andy Alfred tonight right here on the Anchor Network. And you're listening to me with the Anchor Network on the plethora of platforms, whether it be iTunes and Apple. Thank you for tuning in. Whether it be Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now, on Spotify, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, and whenever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in to the program tonight, as you can always be a part of the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. And oh, I love you guys, and welcome into the show. Got a lot to get into tonight, of course. We're going to talk about, of course, the big game happening in Atlanta this weekend as it will be the New England Patriots taking on the L.A. Rams. You'll hear my my in-depth analysis and my prediction on the game this upcoming Sunday, as well as where I'm going to be watching the game. Everybody's asking me, where are you going? Are you going to have a party? Are you going to go watch the game? Where are you going to watch it? I'll explain all the details towards the middle of the show, as well as we're going to talk a little bit about BGSU basketball and the Mid-American Conference BG continuing their running ways, as well as the University of Toledo doing pretty well as well. But a big game coming up this weekend at the Stroh Center for BG as Mac East standings are in play this upcoming weekend for Bowling Green. But first and foremost, you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. So welcome aboard. Got a lot to get into tonight, of course. So let's start first and foremost with the Jackets. And let's start about the first the first half of this segment about the Jackets. The good side of things. Okay? The good side of the Jackets. 
This past weekend, the NHL All-Star Game took place in beautiful, sunny San Jose, California. As it was all four divisions of the teams, the Metropolitan Division, the Atlantic, the Central Division, and the Pacific Division, all playing in San Jose, California. Skills competition was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you know, the NHL does a fantastic job with their skills competition. They absolutely do. And All-Star Weekend is absolutely fantastic. In 2015, when they got the opportunity to go down to Columbus for the All-Star Game, it was tremendous. Fan-friendly. The players were all around. Uh, you know, deputy leaders. I got my picture, and I got to finally meet and shake hands with Gary Bettman. Got my picture taken with him as well, too. And... Um, Nice guy. He is a nice guy in some points, but I can understand why everybody hates him. Um, I, I I certainly don't like. I don't like him. I like him in some aspects of the game when it comes to player safety and revenue. But come on, Gary, you got to put put a team in Quebec. Got to put a team in Quebec. Balance out the Eastern Conference. Get off your horse about that. I'll just I, that that's all I have to say bad about Gary Bettman. I like Gary. He's a nice guy, but. Some of his ideas are a little off the wall, but I digress. All-Star Weekend is fantastic. Uh, there's Fan Fest. There's, there's the skills competition itself that took place Friday night. All the players, except for one, Sidney Crosby, was ill. He had the flu, did not participate in any of the events. It's sad to say that. And, you know, he did play the game on, on Saturday night. And I like the fact that they went back to the old method of, you know, going to play on Saturday night instead of Sunday. It used to be that they would have the skills competition on Saturday night, and then Sunday would be the game. I like this new format of them playing it, playing the skills competition Friday night, and then Saturday. But the problem I have with it is that the fact that this the skills competition Friday night took place at 9:30 in the evening Eastern Standard Time, 9:30 Eastern. By the time that the All-Star competition was done, it was about 11.30, 12 o'clock. So 11.30, 12 midnight. And a lot of kids don't get the opportunity to see that. I can understand for the All-Star game, which was perfect, it was at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock out on the West Coast. It was absolutely perfect timing for that. And it was a Saturday night, you know. And you get to see some of the best players. I know John Wagner brought up a good point about the situation on on, on a uh, on one of the shows I listened to. He's a writer for the Toledo Blade. He wrote that he said that All Star games are losing their luster because, in some instances, we don't get to we get back in the day we didn't get to see everybody play. You heard about it, you read about it, you talk about it. Now, now with this new generation of us, the millennials and the access that we have, we could for to pay a little extra, we could see certain players. Like we can, we can pay for the MLB extra innings, or what I do with the NHL TV or NBA, NBA League Pass. We could pay that extra money to see the matchups that we want to see. If we, 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 we were back in the day before anything like that ever happened, we were relied on the regional local coverage. And as well as watching the national television games, games of the week. Now the NFL has had the Pro Bowl, and we'll get to the Pro Bowl and just at the end of the program with the Super Bowl and everything like that. But the NHL is by far, in my opinion, the best 
all-star game experience known to men. I've gone to countless uh, minor league all-star games. I've gone to major league all-star games. I have gone to the NHL all-star game. And by far, the NHL has done a tremendous, a tremendous job when it comes to that. Absolutely a tremendous job when it comes to that. But I digress. The All-Star game was in San Jose on Saturday night, and Game 1 saw the Central Division beating the Pacific 10-4. Patrick Kane absolutely lighting things up for the Central Division in the game. Uh, and the Game 2 saw the Metropolitan Division. Now, the Jackets had two representatives, uh, defenseman Seth Jones as well as forward Cam Atkinson. Artemi Panarin not chosen for the All-Star game. Uh, both key players in helping their team win Jonesy drawing a penalty shot in the second game, failing on the attempt. But the Metropolitan did get the win 7-4, which that meant the Central Division played the Metro in the All-Star game. Now, there was always the incentives of, you know, you get to play, you know, in baseball they used to have it, whoever won between the American and National League would have home field advantage for the World Series, or, you know, I, I like what the NHL does now, and that is a million-dollar prize. And it's split up between the, the 20 guys. So everybody's going to get a chunk of change. Everybody's going to get a chunk of change. And they all donate their, their proceeds to charities. Some of them, you know, some care about their charities and stuff like that. And it's good to see. It's absolutely good to see. And the Metropolitan Division blew away the Central Division by a score of 10-5. So Cam and Seth Jones win a share of the million-dollar prize. The MVP, of course, was named Sidney Crosby. And you know, you know I, I'm not a big Crosby fan. He does a lot of whining for the league and a lot of whining for the players, I, especially for all his Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh players. I personally think that, you know, it was set up for him to win it from the get-go. There was no Ovechkin. There was uh, no solid competition with him in the Metro Division except for, you know, and Atkinson had had three goal, two goals in the game. He had two goals, three assists. He had five points. Jonesy, seven points in the game. He had two goals. Four assists, excuse me, he had two goals, four six for six points in the game. Jonesy deserved, in my opinion, and Atkinson both could have the all-star game nod, but they gave it to Crosby because, you know, he is the face of the league. He is the face of the league. So the Metropolitan Division getting the win, getting the job done, and, you know, it's good to see. It was absolutely good to see, you know, the Jackets well represented in in San Jose for the All Star game. So that was a pot. That's the positive out of the whole situation. Then we get to now. Now we get to the negative. The negative situation out of this whole thing is coming off of the break. Now the Jackets after the break were Jackets were on a ten day layover. They had the mandatory five days, five days off 
that they got. Five days off. And then that kicked into the All-Star game. All-Star break. Now half the league took the All-Star break before the All-Star game. And the other half played. Now the other half is playing the uh, is taking their break. And the Jackets are part of the team that's playing now after the All-Star break. Big games for the Jackets. Huge games. Huge games going forward. These points starting now from the end of February into March are game points that you desperately need. We desperately need and how desperate this division is. Because a, a swing of momentum changes a lot in the Metropolitan Division. We can all attest that right now to the New York Islanders, who none of us, including yours truly, yours truly did not have the Islanders in the playoff contention. Never had them in playoff contention. Never. Never, never, never had them in playoff contention. Scrolling back here. So give me a second here. Here it is. Metropolitan Division. I had them dead last in the Metro, and they are now in first place in the Metropolitan Division. Barry Trotz has got his club running. And it shows that Jonathan Tavares was not is not just the key wasn't a key loss for them. That they could plug and play with players. Plug and play. Plug and play. So coming off the break, you know you're gonna have some rust. You know you're not gonna be at best. They got back to practicing on Sunday afternoon at two o'clock when the mandatory break was all done. And Torrello was running his team Sunday into Monday. So going into last night's game against the Buffalo Sabres, I was looking at Buffalo. Buffalo was have are one and four in their last five. The Jackets zero and two in their last. The, excuse me, they're four and two in their last six. I figured the Jackets would be you know competitive and stay with this team. And play decent. Buffalo's not that great this year. They had that run of winning 10 straight games. And they've gone ice cold. Well, Buffalo got into the right page. Rodriguez scoring first for Buffalo. Making it 1-0 in favor of the Sabres in the first period before Pierre-Luc Dubois scoring for the Jackets. His 18th of the season. Tying the game at one apiece before Sam Reinhardt Puts the tally on the board. His 12th of the season. It was 2-1 Buffalo. Before then, Thompson then scoring. Making it 3-1 in favor of the Savers after 20 minutes of play. So then you get into that starting of the second period. 22 seconds into the game, into the second period. Nick Felino buries it past Carter Hutton. The former walleye goaltender. Buries it past him. It's 3-2. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, the Jackets, you know, I've seen them come back from worse. I've seen them come back from worse. And, you know, it's possible that anything. But then Skinner beats Bobrovsky. It's 4-2. And I'm saying, this one's going to be a runaway. Buffalo's going to get on a hot streak. And they're going to start running away with this game. And then Dubitsky getting his fifth, his fifth 
tally of the season. It is good to see Doobie getting some points finally on the board. After the struggle he has had all season, it is good to see him get on the score scorecard in the positive way with this fifth of the season. It made it 4-3. And then Cam Atkinson tying the game up late in the second period for this 28th goal of the season, and it's 4-4 after 40 minutes of play. And I said, see, this is the Jacket team. I know the third period will come around. They'll get a goal either early or late and, and put the game away. But Connor Sheary, who hasn't done a lick all season, his eighth beating Bobrovsky and the Buffalo Sabres beat the Jackets at home at Nationwide by a score of 5-4. to four. And I, I told you this a couple weeks ago. The Jackets, every time the Jackets outshoot their opponent, they lose. And it came up to that last night as well, too. Jackets outshooting Buffalo 37-34. to 34. In the faceoff dot, the Jackets were 46% to Buffalo's 54%. A good thing is that the Jackets have not allowed a power play goal in the last five games. They held Buffalo 0 for 2 on the power play, but the power play for the Jackets 1 for 2. Fantastic to see the the power play team getting back into the swing of things. They outhit the Sabres 28 to 12. Looking a little bit more in the stats of this game for the Buffalo Sabres in the game, like I said, Carter Hart, Hutton in the pipes. For the Jack, for the uh, for the Sabers in the game, having a tremendous game, stopping a total of thirty three of thirty seven attempts. His save percentage for this game on on Tuesday night was a solid, a solid eight point nine two. The Jackets starting Bobrovsky, and it was surprising to me that they were going to start Bob. In this game, I thought they were going to ride Corposalo in this game. Bob stopping 29 of 34 shots. His save percentage of .853. It's not going to cut it. It absolutely is not going to cut it for the Jackets in this game. So, we have all this situation, you know, the struggle there. But before we get to the rest of the games and looking forward to the rest of the season for the Jackets, we've got a situation. And it broke on thir- it broke out on Monday from Artemi Panarin. Now I may mention of this at the beginning of this of the show that the Jackets could be losing both Bobrovsky and Panarin out of the situation. Dan Manmuse, who is an who is Artemi Panarin's agent, his agent came out with a statement on Monday, which read in following: "We have informed the team that we are willing to discuss Artemi's future after the season. Our priority now is to focus on the rest of the season." And try to win a Stanley Cup for the CBJ and their fans. No additional comments will be made. And quote. So for me, hearing that, it's plain and simple that, you know, they couldn't come to the agreement during the mandatory break. Both Bob and Panera were in the in the 
in the Caribbean together. Uh, Panarin's agent team met with Kekalainen and Davidson on Saturday, it's what I was told, in Columbus. Nothing came about of the meeting, and then we get this statement on Monday. I'm going to tell you this, folks. I'm worried that we are not going to get anything out of this Panarin deal. Now, if I'm Kekalainen out of this whole situation, you know, I'm worried about the fact that this team, this team is going to, is putting, and the, and the fans are putting too much pressure on both Panarin and, and Kekalainen to get this deal done. Because I said it last week on the show, and I'll say it again. Panarin wants a long-term deal. He wants an eight-year deal. He wants eight years, a hundred-some-odd million dollars. I don't want that to happen. I don't like long-term investments like that. And that's just me, okay? I told you at the beginning of the season. I told you at the beginning of the season. Forwards are a dime a dozen. Goaltenders that give you chances to win are what you need. Are what you need in this league. Get the job done with Bob. And then the whole situation with Bob breaks down. You know, the whole Tampa situation, the team asked him to, to leave, leave for a day to come and then come back, and he has not been performing to the best. And I'm going to just say this one time, okay? If you remember two years ago when we were doing this show back on Mixcloud and on the old channel that we did this for, Cam Atkinson was struggling with his play. Was not developing the play, not developing at all. He gets a contract extension. Boom. He gets all he gets the goal scoring running, he gets the plays running, he's running the offense on the first line. You add Panarin to that last year. You know, and that's how they got to the where they were against Washington in the first round of the playoffs. Okay? And Atkinson's tied up for a long term. Okay? So I will say it again. My opinion is that you get Bob and Panarin for at least a four-year deal. You give them four years. Give it to them for about... For Bob, I give them about $80 million for four years. That's a lot of money. Panarin, you give them... You give them the same same amount of years, and you give it to them for seventy five million. The five million difference is because of seniority towards Bob, because Bob has been with the organization. He's the face of the franchise. Panarin is not the face of the franchise. Panarin is not the face of the franchise. Panarin is not the face of the franchise. I'll say that again, if you want me to, but I'm not going to say it again. If you look at the core key guys for the Jackets, it's Felino as your captain, Dubitsky, Bob, and Warinsky. Those four guys 
are your key guys. Leadership with 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 Felino and Dubitsky. Solid net minding when it's available from Bobrovsky, and great defensive play by Zach Wierenski. You get those four key guys, and you've got Wierenski that's signed. You've got Dubitsky that's signed. You've got Felino that's going to be getting into a contract year starting in not this season, not this upcoming season, but the following season. And you have Bob that's a free agent. Forwards are a dime a dozen. Forwards are a dime a dozen. So Panarin not wanting to sign a deal with the Jackets. Not wanting to sign a deal with the Jackets before the trade deadline tells me that the Jackets aren't going to get anything with uh, with him until after the season, and they're not, and he's just going to walk. So it's time to deal. And if I was Kekalainen, I I take it has to be a massive deal. I know L.A. wants some some guys. I know Jonathan Quick is on the market. We need, if if they want to trade Panarin. Now, here's the thing. If they trade Panarin, I, the four guys that they have to get rid of. If, if Panarin wants to go, and this is how it is with the tweet. For me, they get rid of Panarin. They throw in him with with Ryan Murray and our and Alexander Wenberg. Those three guys gotta go. If they can move those three guys. And then here's the situation. You move Panarin, you can give Bob whatever he wants. That check will become a, a Bobrovsky check. Now you can move Bobrovsky if you have to, but I, I, I told you before I don't like it when they move goaltenders. That give the gives your team a chance. That gives your team a chance, and Bobrovsky is the guy. Bobrovsky is the guy for this team. Absolutely, is the guy for this team. He can do the job. He can do the job. So. Put some faith in the guy. And High Bank and, and and this dentistry that wants to give Panarin everything. How about you offer it to Bob? He's gotten you to the playoffs. Countless. Many times. Give him something to stay for. Because right now you're just you're just playing favorites. That's what they are. They are playing favorites. And I'll say it again. I know Bob is getting old. People are saying, well, he's old. You can't keep him. You know, they can't keep him because he's getting old. He's not going to be what he was back then. I understand that. But I told you a three to four year deal worth worth the $75 million or $80 million would cut it for Bob. It'd be a great chunk of change. It really would. It absolutely would. But the jackets need are struggling on that part. 
and he has to step up to play. If he wants to be traded, if Bobrovsky wants to be traded, he's got to step up to play and say, you know what, you want to trade me, this is what you're going to lose out of the whole situation. And vice versa. If you want me to stay, and I get this, I sign this contract, you know, boom, it's gonna sign. He's gonna light it up, and he's gonna get back to work. Just get the job done, Yarmo. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Huh. I fully dived into the rest of the NHL. Just the Panarin situation. I'm just sick and tired of this. It's hanging over our heads as Jacket fans. What these guys are going to do. Because what these guys are going to do is holding us back from thinking about if this team is going to be legitimate when the playoffs start. And if we are going to make the playoffs. Because right now, how this team is playing, three straight losses... I I don't know. I don't know. But you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now. However you listen to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. Let's dive some more into the NHL. And a couple trades that happened as well as looking at the scoreboard going forward. So looking at the scoreboard from last night in the NHL, three games on the docket. As Winnipeg took went into Boston to take on the Boston Bruins, getting the win in a shootout four to three, and then the Philadelphia Flyers last night getting the job done against the New York Rangers by the final count of one to nothing. A light game, light schedule this week, but like I said, half the other, half the teams on the other half of the break are taking their mandatory five day break. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, tonight on the docket, two games in the NHL. Light, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Dallas is taking on those Buffalo Sabres. 8.30 puck drop on that one. The Jackets get back into action tomorrow night in Winnipeg. A big game. Jackets, 8 o'clock puck drop at MTS Center. Uh, the two other games, Philadelphia is in Boston to take on the Bruins. The Rangers take on the Devils. Then we get most of the games are coming back on. Most teams coming back from the break look like this. Vegas is in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. Chicago is in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Toronto comes back from the break. They'll take on the Detroit Red Wings. 7.30 puck drop at Little Caesars Arena. Nashville is in Florida to take on the Predators. Tampa Bay is in New York in the island to take on the Islanders. Pittsburgh at home to take on the Ottawa Senators. The Flames are at on the at on the road, excuse me. Best team in the league taking on the Washington Capitals and the Minnesota Wild head in to Dallas to take on the Dallas Stars. Looking into tonight's play, those two games, like I mentioned, Pittsburgh and Tampa and Buffalo and Dallas. Games look like this, and the standings look like this. In the Atlantic Division, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in first place with a record of 37-10-2 with 76 points. The Toronto Maple Leafs are 30-17-2 with 62 points. Montreal is 28-18-5 and 
with 61 points. Metropolitan Division looks like this. The New York Islanders are 29-15-5 with 63 points. The Washington Capitals now are in second place at a record of 27-17-6 with 60 points. With the loss last night, Columbus is now 28-18-3 with 59 points. Wildcard standings looks like this. Boston is 27-17-6 with 60 points in the first wildcard position. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are 26-17-6 with 58 points. On the teams looking on the outside looking in, on the outside looking in, like I said, looks like this. The Buffalo Sabres, with their win against Columbus last night, are 25-18-6 with 56 points. Carolina 24-20-6 with 54 points. The New York Rangers are 21-21-7 with 49 points. Florida is 20-20-8 with 48 points. Philadelphia 21-13-6 with 48 points as well. The New Jersey Devils are 19-23-7 with 45 points. The Detroit Red Wings 19-25-7 45 points. And the Ottawa Senators are 19-26-5 with 43 points. Western Conference standings looks like this. The Winnipeg Jets on top of the Western Conference with a record of 32-16-2 with 66 points. Nashville is 30-18-4 with 64 points. Minnesota is 26-21-3 with 55 points. The Pacific Division, the best team in the Pacific Division and the best team in the Western Conference are the Calgary Flames at 33-13-5 with 71 points. San Jose is 29-16-7 with 65 points. How about the Vegas Golden Knights? At the beginning, midway point of the season in November, they were down at the bottom of the Western Conference. They are now in third place in the Pacific at 29-19-4 with 62 points. The wildcard standings looks like this. Dallas is 24-21-4 with 52 points. Colorado 22-20-8 with 52 points. Outside looking in looks like this. The Vancouver Canucks are 23-22-6 with 52 points. Anaheim is 21-21-9 with 51 points. Arizona 23-23-4 with 50 points. St. Louis is 22-22-5 with 49 points. Edmonton 50 with 50 games played, 23-24-3 with 49 points. The Chicago Blackhawks, a pathetic season, 51 games played so far. They're 18-24-9 with 45 points. The LA Kings are running out the division. Third worst, the fourth worst team in the league with a record of 20-26-4 with 44 points. So, bad to see that happen. Actually, they're the second-to-last team in the in the league, the 30th team in 44 points. So the Jackets back in action tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets. 8 o'clock puck drop, MTS Center. We'll see what the Jackets do. They'll play tomorrow night against Winnipeg. Return home this upcoming Saturday, the second to take on St. Louis before they hit the road to go to Colorado in the big, in the big trip. They go to Colorado, Arizona, and Vegas before returning home to play the defending Stanley Cup champions on the 12th, the Washington Capitals, and the big game on Valentine's Day against the Islanders. As you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in. A couple trades announced, too, in the NHL. The Leafs acquired Jake Muzzin from the L.A. Kings for draft picks. Um, the Dallas Stars get Jamie Obaleski from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And here's the big one. 
This past weekend with the NHL All-Star Game, you saw four women compete in the NHL All-Star Game. Two from the Canadian national team, two from Team USA in the women's hockey program. And Kendall Coy will be making her debut as an analyst for NBCSN this tonight on the big game for Wednesday Night Hockey for the, for the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Great to see that happening in the NHL. But you know what else is great to see what happens? It was a great weekend at the rink at the Huntington Center for the Walleye. They take two or three out of the weekend, but it was a huge weekend for for the for the walleye because of the fact of Friday night's game. Friday night, the walleye took on Everett Fitzhugh, the Golden Voice himself, Cincinnati Cyclones. Got a chance to catch up with Everett. Could not get a chance to chat with them. We're going to get a chance. We're going to get later on in the season when he comes back up in February to chat with him. On the program, of course. And he listens to the show. I love you, Everett. Um, the Walleye had the opportunity to gain ground this weekend. Big ground. Big ground. Because Cincinnati was only playing Friday night against Toledo. Now, they'll play up this upcoming week, the rest of the week. But this is a big game because... It's a divisional opponent with the opportunity to make up ground. Opportunity to make up ground in a division that you are losing now by six points going into this this past weekend. To get two big points out of Cincinnati would be fantastic. And that's just what the Wally did with a big second period. But Val... Vale scoring out for Cincinnati, his first of the, his thirteenth of the season, and it was Kia getting the goal for the Walleye, making it one one. And then, no, excuse me, Val getting the first. It was one nothing Cincinnati after twenty minutes of play. Then a big per- second period for the Fish, Kia, Spiza, and Sadaway all scoring for the Fish before Valentino getting his second of the season in the third period to cut the deficit. Down to one, but it was just too much as the walleye gets a win three to two over the Cyclones. The walleye out shooting the Cyclones 31 to 26. Cincinnati bad on the power play. I talked to Everett about this. 0 for 5 on the power play. They can't get the job done, but the PK is pretty decent. The walleye one for four on the power play on Friday night. And then the walleye returned home on Saturday and Sunday, continued the homestand Saturday and Sunday against the Rapid City Rush, and it took a shootout Saturday night, but the Fish fall to the Rush by a score of 3-2. to two. Hensick, his 15th of the season. Spiza, his 7th. It was Bear, his 5th, and Faya, his 2nd. The Walleye out shooting the Rush 44-24. to 24. Both teams 0 for on the power play. The Fish 0 for 3. The Rush 0 for 1. Then you get to Sunday, Great game. However, Justin Moore, and I'll get to my Andy Rance in just a second about this kid. Justin Rance getting a match penalty for contact to the head of the whole situation. Calling a match penalty and the walleye killing the power play off for that. 
Harrington scoring for Rapid City. Turner and Manning all scoring for the Rapid City Rush. But Birchback starting the scoring off his 17th of the season. Spiza having a great game again. Three-goal weekend for him. I give him the, the, the Libby Factory Outlet number one star this past week for three goals. A, a six-point weekend for him. It was also Hunter Smith, his fifth of the week, fifth of the season. And then Crawford, jo- Jordan Crawford, scoring for the walleye. His first as a walleye, first as a professional in overtime. Bearing. Rapid City getting the point that they needed. The Walleye getting five points out of six this past weekend. Getting the job done with a 4-3 win over Rapid City. The Fish out shooting Rapid City 42-28. Both teams 0 for on the power play. The Walleye 0 for 6 on the power play. Rapid City 0 for 1. And this was a big weekend for the Fish. A huge weekend for the Fish. To get the job done, get five big points, helps your cause out with the standings. We'll get to the scoreboard in just a second. But the standings looks like this. The Fish are two points out of first place. Cincinnati still holding strong with a record of 27-8-3. And three with 60 points. Toledo is now 26-10-3-3 with 58 points. Indianapolis is 22-19-2-1 with 47 points. Fort Wayne is 22-17-1-2 with 47 points. Wheeling is 20-22-1 with 43 points. Kalamazoo 20-20-0-2 with 42 points. The Mountain with the Rapid City only gaining three points this past weekend. Really hasn't helped their cause as Idaho is still in first place in the Mountain Division with a record of 27 13, 1 and 2 with 57 points. Tulsa 25 15, 4 and 2 with 56 points. Utah 25 13, 3 and 1 with 54 points. Kansas City 21 17, 2 and 1 with 45 points. The Wichita Thunder 18 18, 5 and 3 with 44 points. Rapid City with the three points go up to 41 points with a record of 17 23, 4 and 3. With 41 points. Allen Americans 14, 28, 3, and 2 with 33 points. Got a chance to talk to Matt Melzack with Everett. And we both we are all in agreement that Florida, and I agree with what they were saying too. Florida is an easy team. Absolutely easy team. They are leading the ECHL with the most wins. They have never came up to play anybody hard. In the Central Division. They have not come up to play anybody in the mountain that's hard. They've been sticking to what they play best in the Eastern Conference. And the record's proving it. They're 31-8-5 with 67 points. South Carolina, they're the team that's under them. It's in second place. They're 23-17-2-0 with 48 points. 48 points. Florida, 67 points. They're an easy team. Jacksonville, 23-19, 1-1 with 48 points. Orlando, 21-17, 3-0 with 45 points. 
Norfolk is 17, 21, 2, and 3 with 39 points. Greenville is 14, 26, 3, and 2 with 33 points. Atlanta, 13, 19, 6, and 1 with 33 points. The North Division sees Newfoundland in first place with a record of 28, 12, 2, and 0 with 58 points. Adirondack, 23, 15, 3, and 2 with 51 points. Brampton, 22, 18, 3, and 1 with 48 points. Manchester, 22, 18, 1, and 1 with 46 points. Worcester is... A solid 19, 18, 3, and 3 with 44 points. Reading 18, 14, 3, and 5 with 44 points. And the main Mariners are 21, 20, 0, and 1 with 43 points. Looking at the games going in progress today, we had one final that was an afternoon game as the Brampton Beasts win in a shootout over the Worcester Railers by a score of 5-4. to four. Other games tonight, of course, Reading is at home. They'll take on the Maine Mariners. Adirondack is in Manchester to take on the Monarchs. South Carolina at home to take on the Norfolk Admirals. Greenville is in Atlanta to take on the Gladiators. Utah on the road to play Tulsa, though that game is going to be starting later on this evening. And the Allen Americans at home to take on the Idaho Steelheads. Now, here is a key thing. Tomorrow is two games in the ECHL. One is Atlanta is at home taking on the Florida Everblades. But here is the key game. Toledo is playing Kalamazoo. Now, we're going to talk about this in Andy Rants in just a second. But the Walleyes game for tomorrow was scheduled for a 10.30 start time. However, due to the polar vortex that is happening, a lot of the schools, again, canceling. So the game has been moved up. They have to play the game. It is moved down to 7.15. And to get into the game will cost you one Lincoln. I said that right. It will cost you $5 to get into the game. Now here's a key piece to this whole thing. With that, now if you have tickets for the game tomorrow, the 31st, or the game that was a makeup game, you can exchange those tickets for any game for the rest of the season. And here's what I would do. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. Keep the tickets. Go and buy the $5 tickets. Go to the game. And then bankroll those tickets for later on in the season. I would do that in a heartbeat. A heartbeat. Tomorrow, if you're a season ticket holder, by the way, you show your fan badge, you'll get into the game for free. All the proceeds will go to the Walleye Wishing Well Fund, $5. It's general admission. That means you can sit anywhere you want in the Huntington Center tomorrow night to watch the Walleye battle the Kalamazoo Wings. And then they'll get back into action to the regular ticket prices on Friday night. On Friday night against the... Tulsa Oilers, 7-15 puck drop for that one. And then Saturday, they will be at home to take on the Brampton Beast, 7-15 puck drop for that one. As that will conclude the homestand for the Fish, they will then they will then get ready for a road trip that will see them starting the road trip on the 8th of February as they will then excuse me, not Excuse me, not the 8th of February. My apologies. They will be actually at home on the 9th of February on the 9th of February to take on Indianapolis. And then sat Sunday 
they'll take on Indianapolis at home. So they got a long stretch of home games at the Huntington Center. So home is where the heart is for the walleye this upcoming week. As you are listening to All Andy Alford, your home for walleye hockey, talking about walleye hockey, is All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. And that's whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, Thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the hard court and let's talk about a certain team out of a certain Midwest city that is actually doing very, very well in the Men American Conference, Eastern Eastern Basketball Conference in the men's side, and that is the Bowling Green State University Falcons. But let's dive into the hard court, and Bowling Green is doing a fantastic job as of late. Struggled, though, this past weekend against Miami of Ohio, but let's get to the games that we, the game that we were getting ready to talk about last week when we were on the air with you last week on the 22nd. Bowling Green was getting ready to take on Eastern Michigan and the Emus of Eastern Michigan. The Falcons getting a big 80-67 to win in the game. Bowling Green's Justin Turner led the led with points, 19 points. He was 5 for 10 from field goal range, 6 for 6 from the free throw stripes. Rebounds was Jamario Wiggins with 10 rebounds, 7 defensive rebounds, 4 offensive rebounds, and Dylan Fry, 4 assists in the game. The breakdown, the box score looks like this. Of course, Wiggins, 29 minutes played. He had 10 rebounds, had 13 points in the game. Turner with with the total of three rebounds, 19 points in the game. He was 5 for 10 for free th- field goals made. He was 3 for 4 for the three-point mark in the game as well. Dylan Fry, 4 for 11, 3 for 6 from field goal range. He had 11 points in the game for Eastern Michigan. The recap looks like this. the James Johnson, the fourth, 16 points, 6 for 9 from field goal range. Two for three from the three throw stripes. It was he also had twelve rebounds, seven defense, five on the offense. It was Cam Kevin McDew with three assists. He played twenty six minutes. Bowling Green improving their record to fourteen and five at the time. Toledo losing in overtime to Kent State on Tuesday night by a score of 85-87. which and Buffalo. Losing the 14th-ranked Buffalo Bulls. Losing at Northern Illinois 77-75. Which then gave Bowling Green sole possession of first place. But Friday, Buffalo getting getting some points back. And getting back in first place, beating Kent State 88-79. Saturday set up the possibility that Bowling Green can get back into first place as they went into Oxford to take on the Miami Redhawks, and Bowling Green struggled in the game, and Miami of Ohio capitalized on it by a final score of 67-53. Justin Turner for BG, 12 points, 5 for 13 for field goal, 1 for 4 from the 3-throw stripe. Demario Wiggins, 10 rebounds in the game. Dylan Fry, 3 assists for Miami of Ohio is... Nike 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 Serba, 25 points, 9 for 17. He was 4 for 7 from the three throw shape. He also had 7 rebounds in the game. Darian Ringo, 4 assists, 
and he played was the leader in the assist department with four assists. He played a total of 31 minutes. Bowling Green's Mario Wiggins was played 28 minutes. He had four points. He was two for seven from the field goal made. He was 0 for 0 at the three point drive. Justin Turner five for 13 from field goals made to third two attempts. He was one for four from three point range. He had 12 points. The bench helping out Bowling Green. That was Damian Lillard. With four, went four for six, two for four from three-point range. He had ten points in the game for BG, but Justin Turner led always. Like I said, five for 13, one for four. He had 12 points. He had six rebounds in the game. So BG losing to Miami of Ohio by a score of 67 to 53. <coughs> Excuse me. In this game. And then that set up Toledo and Toledo getting the win over Central Michigan 76 the 72 in that in that game last and then so uh, last night UT traveled to Oxford to take on Miami of Ohio and they got the job done yesterday 66 to 63 in that game Buffalo getting the job done 18th ranked Buffalo 80 83 59 winners over Ball State now Bowling Green gets back into action Friday night as they'll take on the Buffalo Bulls. 8 o'clock tip at the Stroh. Big game. They want you to go. I'm, I'm recommending you guys go. Big game. Pack the Stroh Center. This is a national televised game. This is for the Mac East. This is for the Mac East. I said it again. This is for the Mac East. Whoever wins this game controls their destiny. Because you look at the standings going into play play this week. Buffalo is 7-1 in conference play. 19-2 overall. Bowling Green is 14-6 overall. 6-1 in conference play. They're a half game out of first place. Kent State is 4-3, four four and three, two and a half games out of conference play, 15-5 overall. Akron at 4-3, 2.5 out of first place, 12-8 overall. Ohio is 3-5, four games out of first place. They're 11-9 overall. And in Miami of Ohio is 3-5, 11-10 overall. In the MAC West, Toledo is 5-3 and in, in holding in first place. In the MAC West, with an overall record of 17 and four, NIU with their win over Buffalo is now five and three in a mathematical first place tie with Toledo. But Toledo holding the overall record, better overall record at at 17 and four, NIU is 12 and nine. Central Michigan four and four, one game out of first place, 15 and six overall. Eastern Michigan is three and five in conference play, two games. Out of first place, nine and twelve overall. Ball State two and six, three games out of first place, eleven and ten overall. Western Michigan has not yet recorded a conference win. They are zero and seven, four and a half games out of first place. They're six and fourteen overall in play. And by the way, Western Michigan is canceling their game tomorrow night against Kent State due to the polar vortex. How cold it is! A lot of the universities, including Bowling Green and Toledo, have canceled classes. For the next two days. Due to the cold weather. They don't want the students out there. Walking from class to class. Because it takes about 10 minutes. 5 to 10 minutes for frostbite to happen. How cold it is here in the northwest Ohio area. So both campuses closing. 
uh, the whole situation. So it's cold, folks. It's cold. Breaking down some of the top 25 rankings, Tennessee is at number one at 18 and one. Duke is 17 and two. Virginia is 18 and one. Gonzaga is 19 and two at four. Michigan is 19 and one in first place. Michigan State is 18 and three and six. Uh, John Calipari and his Kentucky Wildcats are 16 and three. Nevada is 19 and one overall at eight. Carolina, North Carolina is 15 and four at nine. Marquette is 18 and three. Kansas is at 11 at 16 and four. Virginia Tech 16 and three at 12. Houston 20 and one. At 13, Villanova 16 and 4. 15 is Louisville at 15 and 5. Texas Tech is 16th overall at 16 and 4. Purdue 17th with a record of 14 and 6. They had the big win against Michigan State this past weekend on Sunday. That was a big game for Michigan State to lose. Buffalo 18th, like I mentioned in the Medic American Conference, they're 18 and 2. LSU 16 and 3. Iowa State is 15 and 5 at 20. Maryland is 21st with a record of 16 and 5. Mississippi State 22nd overall at 15 and 4. NC State 16 and 4 overall at 23rd. 24th sees the Wisconsin Badgers at 14 and 6. And Florida State is 15 and 5 at 25. And here's some teams that are on the outside looking in. Auburn is at 80, had 85 votes. Kentucky had 70, excuse me, Kentucky, Cincinnati had 76 votes overall. But here's the big thing. Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist for ESPN, has Bowling Green in, get this, in the, in the big dance as a possible play-in team. Being a 14th seed. I'm all for that. I am all for that. How good this team has been. But, you know, we're we're just now getting into the end of... We're getting into the meat of the rest of the season schedule. So Friday's game against Buffalo is a huge game. Get to the Stroh. Pack the Stroh. Visit bgsufalcons.org for ticket information. Or head over to the Shore Center box office or call the BGSU box office as well. Or also get them on Ticketmaster.com. Pack the Stro. Big weekend at the Stro for for the Mid-America Conference. Games tonight in in the NCAA Top 25. Virginia Tech is at Miami. West Virginia is at Iowa State. Villanova on the road to play DePaul. Louisville is in Wake at Wake Forest. Marquette is at Butler. And actually, as we go, as this game has now just gone final, Butler loses to Marquette 76-58. LSU is playing Texas A&M tonight at 9 o'clock. Tomorrow, Temple will be on the road to play Houston. Purdue is at Penn State. And fourth-ranked Gonzaga is at BYU. And you are listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And now it is time, folks. Get that soup warmed up. 
Get it ready to go. Get the popcorn ready. Have that guacamole set. It's time. It's time to talk about the Super Bowl. But first, before that, let's talk about the Pro Bowl. So, yes, we have finally hit it, folks. It is officially here. Super Bowl 53 has arrived. And it's going to be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. You know, this is a big one. You know, this is a big Super Bowl. But before we get to the Super Bowl, let's talk about the Pro Bowl briefly. Because the Pro Bowl, I I like what they're doing with the skills competition and the aspect of that. You know, having it like relay competitions and they had the water competition and stuff like that. But the AFC getting the win over the NFC in the game itself by a score of 26-7. to AFC dominant in the game. Box score looks like this. Patrick Mahomes, what's up Holmes? 7 for 14, 156, 1 TD, no interceptions. Deshaun Watson, 7 for 15. 128, 1 TD, 1 interception. Andrew Luck, (laughs) 7 for 17, 81 yards, 1 interception in the game. Hill had 2 carries for 24 yards. Connor, 6 carries for 11 yards, no TDs in the game. Sherman, 4 carries for 11 yards, 1 TD in the game. Mark Ingram, 1 carry, 2 yards in the game. Keenan Allen, 4 receptions for 95 yards. Sherman, 3 catches for 92 yards. Eric Ebron, one catch, 18 yards, one TD in the game. Jalen Ramsey, one catch, six yards for a TD in the game as the AFC beats the NFC 26-7. For the NFC, Russell Wilson, five for eight, 68 yards of the game. Dak Prescott, four for 11, 45 yards, one TD, one interception in the game. Mitchell Trubisky, five for nine, 34 yards, one interception in the game. Ezekiel Elliott, three carries for 33 yards. Shaquan Barkley, Two carries for 10 yards. The game, Adams, two catches for 41 yards. Amari Cooper, one catch, 20 yards, one TD in the game. That one what TD was from Dak Prescott. And uh, really, what I, that's as much as I want to talk about the Pro Bowl. That's really all I want to talk about the Pro Bowl. So now it sets up this. Super Bowl 53. And it's time to talk about the game. This is the biggest week in pro football. This is Super Bowl week. This is the week that everybody talks about. We have gone through all the playoff situations. The blown calls by the officiating. And how bad it's been all season. And we have the two teams. The New England Patriots and the L.A. Rams. In 2002, these two teams battled each other out. It started, it ended the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner. And a young quarterback. And a cook, a coach that was making his debut at the big helm under the big lights of the Boston scene in Bill Belichick. 
Now you have a veteran, and he wins his first Super Bowl. You have an absolutely amazing team in New England, led by Julian Edelman and Rob Gonkowski on the receiving core. On the other side, you have Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and a young quarter, a young coach in Sean McVay. The dynasty ends with the boys, Edelman, Gronkowski, and Brady, all driving into the sunset with the Vince Lombardi Trophy. The question is, can L.A. hold on? Can L.A. survive? Can they survive the opportunities that they'll get against the New England defense? I don't think so. I think Giselle and I think that Tom Brady and Giselle will finally have enough. Get ready. Book it. New England 42 LA 28 Sunday, February 3rd, 2019 for the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in Hotlanta. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. A great ending to a great season. Plain and simple. Who gets the MVP? I think Julian Edelman gets the MVP. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope it's a good game, and I hope that you'll be able to join us post-game for the Super Bowl. Yes, post-game. We'll have more details to come on the Twitter account at all Andy Alfred going forward. As you are listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And yes, yes, New England 42, the Rams 28. Book it. Book it. So, and we'll see what happens with that. And now let's dive into the end of the program tonight. Let's dive into Andy Rance. So let's dive into Andy Rance. And first and foremost, before we begin, I want to thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And thank you for everything you have done for me on this program. And the amount of listens and the amount of views that we have gotten from this show I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. 
for everything you've done for me. You guys have done for me, and it has been absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. The outpouring of support and the 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 sheer thrill of doing the show for you guys tonight and uh and all season long and we have finally hit the end of the NFL season that's the end of the football season we've got the NHL we've got few more we have at least two more weeks before we start talking about baseball yes the boys of summer coming back looking forward to that and it's going to be tremendous this upcoming this upcoming baseball season. We'll get into that further on down the road. But if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet on this podcast, what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts every week. And, yeah, it, 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 it's tremendous. Um, everybody wants to know, too, where I'm going to be doing the show. And you heard early, just a little bit ago that we'll be doing a post-game edition of, about the Super Bowl after the game. Uh, it will be taped, of course. I'm going to be in Frankenmuth, Michigan for the Super Bowl. As the Super Bowl falls on my birthday, February 3rd, I will be 29 years of age. Thank God. Almost getting close to the 30-30. And it has been a tremendous ride in my life and tremendous thrill to be have you guys aboard for this ride that we ha- that we call life, and for me, it is truly a pleasure to have you guys a part of this. And um, we'll tape. We're going to tape all Andy Alfred up in Frank and move. We'll have a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who, but let's just say she's going to be making her debut on the podcast. Um, a couple housekeeping notes. Uh, did not get a chance to chat with uh, Dusty Driftmeyer uh, and I at the North American International Auto Show, and that was tremendous. And I'll get to that in just a second. But uh, we hope to get her on soon enough to chat with her. Also, a little bit of housekeeping news and notes to pass along to. Uh, we're going to be having some guests on. Few few guests coming up. Uh, of course, Everett Fitzhugh, the voice of uh, the psych of Cyclone Talking. We're going to have him on ch- chatting it up for a bit. As well as, as well as um, the baseball hipster himself, Nick Avibre. He'll be joining us, Nick Devera, uh, my former broadcast partner, Nick the Money Man Devera, as I call him. Uh, he'll be uh, joining us as well as Lucas Sigerson, as well. But um, let's dive into Andy Rance tonight. And um, first and foremost, the North American International Auto Show was an absolutely fantastic. Event got the chance to go up last Thursday. Saw a lot of nice cars. Um, I, I'm very surprised of how the Kia Telluride is going to be in 2020. It looks fantastic. It rides really, really well. Um, I was surprised of how well, uh, how well Honda is doing as well as how well uh, Chevrolet is doing. Ford is absolutely tremendous. Got a chance to look at the new Jeep Gladiator pickup truck and had that picture of the the Hart 419. Um, but yeah, uh, this was the last year that it's going to be taking place in January. Next year it's going to be starting in June. 
So looking forward to seeing that. I'm going to probably be sweating my balls off in in June when it comes when it starts in June next year. But uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, two notes to pass tonight. Two uh, more notes to pass tonight. One is the walleye. On Sunday, Justin Moore had a match penalty called on him for contact to the head. And he was uh, assessed a five-minute major and a game misconduct. Now, a lot of people were talking about this hit on social media. And this is his third suspension this year with the Toledo Walleye. Now, I grew up watching hard hockey on the on the east side of Toledo at the Toledo Sports Arena. But hitting a defenseless player in the head, and this being the third attempt, third suspension, he had one earlier in the season in Idaho when he swung a stick was his, was earned a match penalty in the game. As well as drawing another match penalty for a contact to the head in Kalamazoo. In my opinion, it's time to cut ties with Justin Moore. There's no need in this team for a excuse me a hothead of a hockey player. There's no need for it. You wonder why Toledo's fans get is, are becoming the Pittsburgh Penguins fan, Pittsburgh Penguins of the ECHL. Does the fans cry and moan about you know hitting and hurting, and your own guy does it, and they don't say anything about it? Now I, I'm standing up as a walleye fan because I think it's wrong that this guy is still on the team. He's going to get a four games. He got a four game suspension out of it. But I think that's not enough. Three, he's had three suspensions this season. He's got to go. The league should have hammered him hard with a, a season suspension. You can't have that happen. You just can't have it happen. And the fact that, and the fact that this guy is just. You know, doing this, it's just uncalled for. Absolutely uncalled for. And my third and final piece is about something that is dear to me, a little bit dear to me. I'm getting ready to go February 12th. It's a Tuesday night. It's my father's birthday, of course. Uh, to see pro wrestling coming back to Toledo at the Huntington Center as WWE SmackDown comes to the Huntington Center for the show, we've got floor seats, of course. First time sitting on the floor. Looking forward to it. But I love my favorite of all the pay-per-views besides WrestleMania, of course, it was it took place this past Sunday at the Royal Rumble. And to see Becky Lynch win the Royal Rumble in the women's division, she has been absolutely fantastic. The WWE is marketing her perfectly. 
She is the man. I give her a ton of credit for marketing herself. I love The Miz. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. His ring presence has gotten better and better over time. I think the guy I, I, I dislike the most is Nakamura. His ring presence is good, but he has that attitude that even when he's outside the ring, I don't like. And, I, and I'll admit it, I love pro wrestling. I'm one of those guys that watches it every Monday and Tuesday. And follow the storylines on Bleacher Report. And seeing that Dean Ambrose is not going to sign, re-sign a contract is troubling. He wanted to make that announcement on Monday Night Raw that he wasn't coming back. And Vince pushed Nia Jax and everybody out onto the ring. We were going to have another CM Punk situation. And Vince didn't want that to happen. Vince did not want that to happen. So, we shall see. We shall see what happens. But, um, yeah, looking forward to Super Bowl Sunday with you guys. We'll have a special edition of All Andy for a breakdown of Super Bowl Sunday and the game itself from Frankenmuth, Michigan, this upcoming Sunday night. Uh, Looking forward to doing that with you guys as well. So that's going to wrap it up for All Andy for tonight. I hope you enjoy the program. We'll we'll talk to you on Sunday for the post-game Super Bowl recap as well as... We'll see you next week as well for two on Tuesday for another edition of Volley Andy Alfred. Of course, we'll be talking about the walleye and the jackets as well as recapping the birthday weekend for yours truly. Until then, this is Andy Alfred saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, the Blue Jackets. Go, Jackets! Get back on the winning page. Let's get going. we got a big game tomorrow night against Winnipeg. Go Walleye, go Cyclones, and go Falcons, and go Patriots. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, and I'll talk to you guys next week. And I'll talk to you guys on Sunday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of All Andy Elford on the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor.